You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 247 of the Blended Family Podcast. Today, I've got a guest for you who's a meditation expert. Her name is Josephine Atlori. And I think this is a really important topic right now because, well, I think we're all feeling a little bit extra stressed this season. I mean, with the holidays, blended families often feel more stress anyway, just because of the chaos of the blended family and making sure that everybody has the time that they need. But this year, we have added stressors like homeschooling, social distancing, vaccines, masks, viruses, all kinds of other things that have thrown a monkey wrench into our what is known as a very joyous season here. So I understand that things are stressful right now. And to make matters even worse, people are having trouble paying the bills. And you have all of the politics added in, which is just making it really confusing and uncertain. And here we are supposed to be celebrating and nobody really knows what's going to happen, especially here in the US, but also all over the world. Everyone's watching the US right now. And I know that there's a lot of bad stuff going on everywhere right now. And I'm praying for everybody all over the world because I know that we're all suffering in our own, in our own way whatever that might be for you. You know, I'm not without my own stressors here. This week, our refrigerator broke just two days before Thanksgiving, which is not exactly helpful. And as we record right now, my hubby is out there putting stuff into a cooler. So there's that and um, business is slow. And actually this interview that you're about to hear, I had to record twice because the initial recording got botched and luckily my guest in true fashion to who she is was so gracious about re-recording it and that's why I'm excited to get this information out to you today. Um, Next week we've got Angela Lee. She's an author and a quantum shift facilitator so tune in next week to find out what that is and if you missed last week's show it was a Q&A solo show just with me answering some of your questions and I don't really have any announcements today I just want you to enjoy this show and I really hope that it gives you some tools to kind of help you get through the rest of this holiday season because if we learned anything in 2020 it's that we can't control what's happening to us we can only control how we deal with it So enjoy the show and I'll be back next week. Step parenting can be so hard. You know, I always say that step parents have the most challenging role in the blended family. If you're a step parent, I bet you know exactly what I mean. One of the biggest hurdles is knowing when to step in and when to step back. Finding our footing, our place in the family can be so overwhelming and often leads to so much frustration. Lori and David Sims learned a different approach worked for them, 
and they formed the Nacho Kids Academy as a way to share what they learned over the years, and their tools and resources have helped so many families. To learn more about the Academy and its creators, go back and listen to an interview when they were on this podcast at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash 195. That is episode 195. When you become a member of the Academy, you're going to get 24 video courses in the course library with a new one added each month, a minimum of two group Q&A coaching calls each month, an anonymous community where David and Lori are both active daily, one-on-one coaching discount packages, a private journaling feature, weekly nacho newsletter, and month-long challenges. And if you use my promo code BFP, you'll receive $20 off your first month, so you have nothing to lose. Head on over to nachokidsacademy.com today and use promo code BFP. My guest today is Josephine at Lori, and her passion is to help others overcome adversity and find joy via her meditation classes, infertility workshops, and her podcast, Responding to Life, Living Reflectively Through a Journey of Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. As a meditation teacher, she guides people towards a calmer existence despite the chaos that may surround them. Her group and individual meditation sessions teach simple and practical coping mechanisms for stress, anxiety, and loss to help improve the balance of mind, body, and spirit for those with health and fertility struggles and other life challenges. Josephine has taught all around Los Angeles at Unplugged Meditation, Equinox, Cedars-Sinai, City National Bank, Hey Mama, and with numerous other clients. She regularly contributes content for Motherly, Red Tricycle, The IVF Warrior, and The Fertility Circle. Welcome to the show, Josephine. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Melissa. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Well, me too. We have so much to talk about. And I know this year has proven very challenging for all of us. And blended families can already have a little bit more adversity than traditional homes. And now this year, we just packed on more with COVID-related issues. And I don't really want to focus on COVID today, Josephine, specifically because we are hoping to move past this in the coming months. And when we do, the typical blended family issues will still remain. So um, for anyone listening today, whatever you might be struggling with, Josephine is here today to share some tools on how to cope in whatever difficult situation or adversity you face, because we all know problems will come and go, and what you need are some resources to help you move through and not get stuck. So Josephine, I know you're going to help us with that today. Uh, Before we get into all of that, I just really would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself, your family, and then also share what brought you into the line of work you're doing now. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. You know, I like to say that I help people overcome adversity to find joy. And I do this because of the, the, my own journey that I went through that encompassed about 13 years of creating my modern day family using non-traditional methods of IVF, international adoption and surrogacy. And it was all of the, the lessons that I took from that those experiences, that is really what I'm passionate in doing what I'm doing today, which is helping people use mindfulness strategies and meditation in order to, to tap into their inner calm and to balance out the chaos that swirls around them. 
That's wonderful. And you, did, did you say you have a blended family as well? Yeah, so it all started about 15 years ago. You know, we started to try to have kids using IVF. And then eventually, you know, after a couple of years, it didn't work. And then we did become pregnant only to lose them in the second trimester. So at that point, that's when we pivoted to international adoption. And then about a year later, we welcomed our son home from Kazakhstan at the age of 10 months. And it's hard to believe he just turned 14 um, wow. a couple months ago. It's crazy. And then after that point, we we did try IVF one more time. I became pregnant with twins and carried them successfully. And then many, many years later, we worked with this amazing surrogate who carried another set of twins for us. And she successfully gave birth to them. And that's how we have this blended family of five kids. Wow. And what are all the ages right now? So my eldest son, who's adopted, he's 14. The middle twins that I carried, they're 11. They're about to turn 12 in a couple of weeks. And then the littlest ones, they're four. Wow. So you have your hands full a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. Well, the first thing, Josephine, I want to talk about is stress. Um, And I think we're all feeling a little bit stressed out right now. And you're an anti-stress expert. And I know we all understand stress and we know what it is and we know how it makes us feel. But I think what many of us are lacking are really the tools that we need to help us move through a stressful time without letting it consume us. So let's start there. Why do we struggle with so much stress and what can we do to kind of improve our reaction to it? Well, that's such a great question, Melissa. And I just want to, you know, to have people gain just a quick understanding of what's happening. Well, you know, we have the autonomic nervous system and that's what's sort of leading all of these processes in our in our body that we don't even realize. And one of them is how we we deal and interact with situations in our life. So we have this sympathetic nervous system and that's what everyone refers to as that fight or flight. And that gets triggered, you know, back in the day, it was triggered by, let's say, an attack by a tiger. But these days, we're triggered by an email or something that pops up on our phone or that we happen to see on the news. And it takes something just as little as that to set us off. And and then all of a sudden, you know, you'll feel it physically. You'll start to have your heart racing. You'll start to perspire. Your blood pressure is starting to skyrocket you'll start to feel very worrisome and and it'll be hard to to think properly. And then we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our state of, of rest. And in order to move from one state to the next, all we have to do is utilize our breath. And it's it's such a great tool because we always have it at our disposal. So we always have control of how we can respond to the stressors in our life. And that's one of the techniques that I like to immediately give people when they're telling me that they're feeling very overwhelmed by everything that's happening in their lives. And it's a quick way to to manage the stress that you're feeling. And what's great about it is that you can pull it out anytime that you start to feel triggered. So you don't have to be in a, in a meditation, even though I like to push meditation on people, it can be, you could be doing a breathing technique right now as you're listening to this podcast. And all you're doing is manipulating your breath, you're slowing it down. And thereby, you're giving a, a signal to your brain 
that you are now moving out of that state of stress and out of that triggered response, and you're moving into a state of calm. And it's all because of that gateway of your breath. And that's why it's so wonderful to be able to to learn different ways to manage our stress so that we can employ them whenever we start to feel ourselves sort of swirling into a spiral of negativity so that we can prevent it from really consuming us. That's wonderful because I know a lot, and you brought up triggers actually. So a lot of people are stressed out and a lot of people are getting triggered constantly, especially with everything that's going on in the political world and with the virus and everything else. And so, um, and I see it all over, not just on TV, but in real life, on the roads, in the stores, in personal relationships. It just seems to be a lot of people getting triggered over what other people choose to do or how other people live their life or even who they choose to follow or what they believe in. And I know why it's happening. That's the easy part to figure out. But what I think the bigger question is, how do we stop? How can we avoid getting triggered by other people? And the second part of the question is, um, what if we live with someone who is easily triggered? Uh, that can be very difficult too. So, um, so I guess how can we avoid getting triggered? And what do we do if we're around somebody who is very easily triggered? Yes, I love this question because it happens to us multiple times in the day. So we need to know how to be able to handle this thing. And I love to to tell people that they should have a toolkit, a toolkit of strategies that will help them get out of these stressful situations. But one of the big things that I like to suggest to people is to create this to, to create this inner sort of fortress for yourself right? And that way that it becomes sort of this this place where you can go so that you don't get affected by other people. And where it is, it's located within. I know it sounds weird and a little woo-woo, but what you're doing is back to that idea of your breath, you're manipulating it and thereby you're calming yourself down. But when you're doing it in a meditation, and all I'm saying is just a couple of minutes. I'm not asking for like this huge, long meditation. All you need really is like two to three minutes to be able to access this calm that you have within and you're using it with your breath. So when you're doing a breathing strategy, for example, there's a something that is very popular called the, um, the box breath, which is four seconds of breathing, four seconds of holding, four seconds of an exhale, and then four seconds holding. And it's, you know, it's a shape of a box. So if you're doing that, it's a total of 16 seconds. You keep doing that for a couple of minutes. Then you're retreating inside because you are, you are now becoming present in that moment and you're becoming aware of yourself. And then everything starts to fade in the background. Everything that you were worried about in the past, everything that's worrying you about the future and all the uncertainty and all the what ifs, all of that just fades in the background because now you're focused on that breath and then you become very present. And what happens almost is like you are retreating inside and you're able to witness what's happening with you. And that allows you to kind of have this force field around yourself where you're not able to get triggered, at least in that moment. And it's a, it's a great tool for when you're interacting with someone, say, in your family. And let's say, you know, you know, for me with like my teenager, there's a lot of emotions. And when like he confronts me with emotions, 
oftentimes you respond back, you can respond back, and then it becomes like a very heated discussion. So what I like to do when, you know, when he is expressing things to me is I'll be listening to him, but at the same time, I'll be doing a breathing strategy where I'm sort of, I'm just focusing on, on that breath. And then I'm able to respond to him in a more, in a much calmer fashion, because now I am not triggered by and responding to his emotions. I'm coming from a much more mindful and positive perspective, and then I'm able to have a better conversation with him. So that, you know, that, that speaks to that second part of your question of how do you prevent getting triggered by other people in the household when, you know, we're all stuck in the household together. That's, that's certainly one way of doing it is to be able to tap into your own present awareness and be able to calm yourself in the moment. So that way you aren't being reactive. You are responding from a more positive and and mindful way. I really, really love that because that happens a lot in a blended family and it happens a lot. I noticed that people, sometimes you could just have the wrong tone of voice and that will trigger the person. I mean, it's been, it's been happening a lot lately too with, you know, I don't want to get into discussion of politics, but I'm just going to say the stories that when I'm out and about on my daily things going around and people bring up conversations about politics People get extremely triggered, even if you don't even say much. Um, and so I noticed that's been happening a lot. And I agree with you. If you can just stay calm, because what happens is when one person gets triggered, as soon as the next person gets triggered in response, now you're just going around in a circle and something's going to happen and it's not going to be good. Whereas if you stay calm, it helps avoid the other person from continuing to trigger and they usually settle down. So I love that you said that. That was really um, a great answer because we really can't control what other people are doing, but it's a great way to gain that control of ourselves um, because we can control our breath and we can control where we are putting our focus and you can't focus on the negative when you're focusing on something positive or calm. So I love that. Thank you so much. So yes, absolutely. the next question, I really want to get into meditation. Um, I've spoken about meditation plenty of times before on the show, and I know the positive benefits, and so do a lot of people, but not everybody can get into it, right? And so you're a meditation teacher. You studied under David G, who is one of the, the greatest of all time. I actually belonged to his email list. And I just meditated to one of his things last night because I, I love his voice. It's so soothing. Um, but it tells me that you really know what you're doing if you studied under him. And I'm sure you hear the complaints over and over as a teacher from people, which is either I don't have time to meditate or I don't know how to meditate or I just can't sit still to meditate. So Josephine, I'd love for you to just share, aside from, I love your breathing four in and four out, but if you have any other practical tips for those listening who just haven't been able to find their groove with meditation, and I'd also love it if you could share some ways to incorporate the practice into daily life um, in a way that doesn't feel like a chore or a challenge, so it's something they want to do. And I know you mentioned the breathing thing already, and so that's one thing, but do you have anything else to, to add to about meditation? Oh, absolutely. I think the very first thing that I need to bring up is the idea of thoughts. And, you know, a, 
that's like the biggest misconception out there that I always love to debunk because it prevents people from from even trying meditation because I was in the same shoes years ago when a friend was trying to convince me to meditate. I I told her, listen, I cannot turn off my mind. My mind is constantly running with to-do lists and all these things. There's absolutely no way I'm going to shut it off. And every time I speak to someone who's on the fence about meditating and they they tell me this reason, I have to laugh because I tell them that I was in that same situation. And what people need to understand is that meditation isn't about turning off our thoughts. We have between 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts running through our mind. So that's like one thought every 1.2 seconds. So even the greatest of meditators still have thoughts. But instead, what is happening is it's kind of like a dance. So you'll get into a groove. You'll start to become silent and still, and it's wonderful. And then all of a sudden, you have, uh, you remember an email that you have to send off for work, and then it gets ruined. And in that moment, don't beat yourself up about it, you know treat yourself with compassion and kindness like you would do anyone else and then return back to return back to your point of focus but before you do that gently acknowledge that thought so you can say to yourself i acknowledge you i'll get back to you and then send it on its way if you're more visual you can imagine putting it on a cloud and pushing the cloud away whatever works for you but acknowledge the thought and then return back to your point of focus, whether it's your breath or your mantra, whatever it is. And then what's going to happen is that it'll be a dance. You'll be going back and forth from stillness to a thought to stillness to another thought. And what's wonderful about this is that it is completely applicable to our daily lives because this is what happens to us on a regular basis. Our child or teenager will be speaking to us and then all of a sudden in that moment you remember something that you have to do for work and now you're distracted. But your your child is in need of your attention and they're telling you something. You have to return back to that conversation. So by meditating, by practicing it, you are now better able to return back to that conversation with your child because you've practiced it in, in meditation. And, and so, you know, I debunk that. You, it's okay to have thoughts. You will have them and um, not to beat yourself up about it. So that's my number one tip for people who are trying meditation. And another tip that I would like to offer is that it doesn't, and I touched upon it, before. It doesn't have to be this long drawn out process. I love, <laughs> he was my teacher. I love David G's meditations. It doesn't have to be a super long things. It can be as short as two to three minutes where you're doing a simple breathing exercise. What you're, what's important in that is that you're trying to strengthen that neural pathway in your brain so that in the future, when you do get triggered and you do need to access that calm, now your brain has this very strong path to be able to get to it quicker and you're able to calm yourself down in the moment much faster because you've practiced it in your meditations. It's just like learning a language or a new sport. You need to just keep practicing to build it up and build that pathway so that you can get to it faster. And and so the perhaps the last tip that I would offer is to, to set yourself up for success. And the way that I like to do that, if I'm trying to add yet another thing to my to my to-do list, is to tie it to an existing ritual. 
Because if you already, say, brush your teeth in the morning, then you decide to add this new habit in in the morning, do it either before or after that ritual that you already do. So that way it's paired up. You know it will happen because you always brush your teeth already. So that those would be my three number like three tips to offer when you're trying out meditation and you're trying to incorporate it into your into your lifestyle, which is hard to do when you're trying to add new things. It always feels like you have to do more stuff. But, you know, one thing to know is that when you're able to do something like a meditation, it actually helps you be more focused throughout the day uh, rather than it adding yet another thing on your list. It actually helps you be more focused because now you've sort of quieted down everything that's happening and you're you're better able to to sort of get to all the things that you have to do. Well, those are great practical tips, Josephine. Thank you so much. And I can't agree with you more. Um, As I've been getting better with my meditation practice, I've been noticing that in my moments where I would get triggered, I'm learning how to breathe through those moments. And I never really understood that before. So you just kind of, um, I guess, uh, put everything together in words for me that I was thinking. And that's why I've been really loving meditation. And the other thing I want to point out, because this was one of my problems, is that I always thought meditation needed to be, like you said, this big production, or that something profound was going to happen to me during my meditation. Like, something, something big was going to come to me or anything, you know, you think something big is going to happen. And I would go through these meditations and nothing was happening and nothing was happening. And then I was starting to feel like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how to meditate, but no, there's not going to be some profound thing that happens every time you meditate. Sometimes it might, but most of the time you're just really trying to shut the brain off. And if you're like me, my brain thinks, I mean, I'm an overthinker, so my brain never, ever, ever stops. In fact, my husband at night has to tell me like, okay, shut it off, you know, because I don't know how. And so um, the meditation has been really proving to be wonderful for that. So thank you so much for all of those tips. Now, I know a lot of people are now teaching meditation to their children, which I think is going to transform lives. I mean, imagine if we had those tools when we were young. Unfortunately, I think many parents shy away from the topic because it doesn't seem like a very kiddish thing to do, especially our generation, but kids need the coping strategies too. So Josephine, how can we teach our kids to meditate, even if, um, or especially if they're resistant to it? Yes. And so I have five kids and I teach and introduce meditation to them in very different ways. I have four-year-old twins, and for them, they will always seem to find me whenever I'm hidden somewhere meditating. And what they've come to realize is that this is mommy, and I hear them saying, mommy is meditating, and they'll just sit quietly next to me and, and just wait for me to finish. And it's great because it gives them a moment of mindfulness for themselves too, because they're not playing with anything. They're just sitting there and just waiting. And so they're able to be in the present moment. And what's great is that I'm modeling for them, you know, how one should care for themselves. And then I've started to introduce the idea of using your breath to help calm you down, to help move you from a state of stress into a state of calm. And so whenever they are crying about something, 
I'll ask them now to take a deep breath and I'll do it with them. And then they'll see the benefits of how they're able to stop crying. So that's how I approach meditation and mindfulness with my little ones. And then I have 11 year old twins. And for them, I like to incorporate the idea of, of being mindful of themselves And how we do that, I mentioned it before, is using gratitude and affirmations. When you're able to say something that you're grateful for and to be able to reflect upon one's day and oneself, you're able to be present and be mindful. And then with using affirmations, which are just simple statements of support for oneself, such as, I am healthy, I am calm, I'm strong, when they do that, they're again being mindful of themselves and of their situation. And so that's how I'm able to to do it with my 11-year-olds and I also ask them to do that, you know, as they're about to go to sleep because it's another way of just allowing them to get into a more relaxed and restful state as they as they head off into sleep. And then with my 14-year-old, I started teaching him to use meditation whenever he gets overwhelmed and frustrated. And now it's a point where every so often he'll just come up to me and ask me to meditate with him, which is such a win. And I am always so happy Mm -hmm. when he does it because I'll just drop everything to just meditate with him. And I love that he's able to be aware of himself and know when he's getting overwhelmed with school or overwhelmed with his social relationships that and know enough that he he needs some help and he needs to be able to de-escalate and bring himself into a state of calm and doing that with me through meditation. So there's so many different ways, depending on the age of your children, that you can introduce mindfulness and meditation to them that really that they can access and understand based on their age. Well, that is quite the win that he asks you to do it because that's that's when you know that you did something right. So congrats on that. Now, I know that you, you alluded to the fact that we know that you've had infertility issues. Um, you've told us that. And it's something that was very difficult for you. And I'm very impressed that you use that situation to kind of propel you into helping other people with that. I want to touch on it a little bit because... A lot of my listeners want to go ahead and add to their new blended family by having an hours baby. And there are so many challenges with this. Uh, One being just trying to get pregnant with the stress of a blended family. And there can be members of the family that don't want the pregnancy, whether it's an ex-spouse or the kids. And that's just a small example of what can happen. So I would love for you to speak on the mind-body connection regarding fertility and explain how bringing mindfulness and fertility together can bring someone the pregnancy that they're trying for. So I never had the benefit of mindfulness and meditation back when, years ago, because we, we started doing IVF 15 years ago. And so back then, I, you know, I wasn't meditating. And, and to be honest, self-care was not even top of mind for anyone. And there weren't many groups available to help support me. And so back then, I really, I didn't have an outlet for my emotions and all the ups and downs with infertility and trying to conceive when, you know, there's there's so much pressure and a lot of failure tied to it. 
And so that's really what fueled me to to now just sort of pay it forward and help other people who are trying to conceive to incorporate mindfulness in their fertility journey. Because, you know, when we're so stressed out about trying to conceive, you know, maybe it's not working out. Maybe, as you mentioned, certain members of your family aren't so happy about it. So there's stress coming from many different places. And it can really really affect how we're feeling in our bodies and our minds. And if we can just learn how to use mindfulness techniques and medita- meditation techniques, it can help reduce all of that stress and bring us into a calmer existence. And it can also help us be present to what's happening to us. Because when we're in a state of, of stress, oftentimes it comes from thinking about things that haven't worked out in the past or worrying about all the what-ifs of the future that were not really present in the moment. And by utilizing meditation and mindfulness techniques, it helps ground us into, into the state of presence such that we don't spiral into negativity and we don't have, we don't get ourselves triggered into states of stress. And so that, you know, that's one of the main benefits of of incorporating mindfulness and meditation into one's fertility journey is being able to, you know, be present, but then also being able to move yourself from that really agitated, anxious state into a more calm state so that your body is, you know, everything is working um, in conjunction with one another and everything is balanced out. Yeah, super important. Self-care when you're trying to get pregnant is huge. And uh, you're right. You know, back when I even had kids, it was a long time ago, um, they didn't have anything like that then. There was no such thing as being mindful and doing self-care. I mean, I, I ate terrible. I didn't know. And I wish that I had a little bit more of that back then because maybe I wouldn't have been such a stressed out um, young mom, you know, and so I think it's really wonderful what you're doing uh, for both children and um, adults alike. And I know you offer private and group sessions where you teach meditation. I think that is so necessary since so many people just need that little extra bit of support. So can you talk a little bit about um, what that is? What really does that entail having a, a meditation class? Yes, so I offer meditation. Now it's on Zoom because of the pandemic, but Mm -hmm. actually it works out great because now I'm able to reach people outside of Los Angeles. And my main points of focus are in for people who are trying to conceive and then parents and their children. And then and then I also just do general and corporate meditations. And what how it sort of works out is that it's a 30-minute session. And based on wherever you're coming from, whatever your background is, I tailor it to, to all of that and what your, your goal is, what you want to feel, sort of what you want to learn and what you want to accomplish. It's a great thing to do if, for example, you know, if you're in a fertility journey and you have a big milestone coming up and you're very stressed about it, it's great to, to do that private session, that 30 minutes beforehand to help ease you into a state of calm and relaxation. If you're, say you're a teenager and you're studying for your your exams and, or writing those college admission letters and things like that, it is helpful to do something like 
this before a big moment to really help tune in to what's happening inside and and to reduce all that stress that's coming from that situation. You know, there are just so many different applications. Like just recently I did it for a it was a women's you know, they did a quick weekend getaway and to kick off their, you know, self-care getaway, they did a meditation on Zoom with me. And you know, so it's a great alternative to doing things on Zoom now, like Zoom birthdays. I've done meditations for that. So it's just great to be able to really fine tune or if you're new to meditation to just get the basics so that when you do say progress into an app or something like that, you really know all the key things that you should be aware of with how your body should feel, how you should take in the breath and what to do with your thoughts and all of these things that don't necessarily come out when you're listening to you know, to a quick meditation on an app. So those are the many, you know, applications for doing a private or group meditation session with me on Zoom. And um, yes, and so you can book those easily on my website. I can totally see how beneficial that would be as opposed to a guided meditation on an app, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're really struggling, you know, it's just more of a personal touch. And I love it. And I love that you can do it in groups, too, because that's kind of fun, especially right now with everything going on. Maybe you can set it up with some of your family just to kind of get you through this time of craziness that I hope we're almost done with. Um, I want to talk about your podcast, Responding to Life, Living Reflectively Through a Journey of Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. And I love the name of it because life in many ways is out of our control. And everything is really about how we react to the things we're presented with. And so tell me a little bit about your show and the topics that you cover there. Yeah, the topics that I cover on Responding to Life are primarily wellness, health and wellness, infertility, and parenthood. And you know, I began the, the podcast primarily to talk about my journey with, with IVF, with international adoption, with surrogacy, to talk about my blended family. And to show that there are many different paths to parenthood. And, you know, then it just evolved into this discussion about all these different aspects of our life and ways in which not just myself, but my guests have approached situations in their lives and have responded to it in a positive or mindful way. And, and you know, there are also instances where that didn't happen right away. And they didn't respond in these positive and mindful ways, but they learned from it and they're able to share about it and are now helping other people in their own journeys with whether, whether that's infertility or parenthood or wellness and so that they can live life in a more positive and, and mindful way. And so that's, you know, that's the heart of what that podcast is about and it just had many great stories on there, totally inspired by all the guests. Yeah, it sounds totally amazing. I really enjoyed our conversation today, which helped us with the actual solutions rather than just focusing on problems. And I want my listeners to be able to add, you know, maybe two or three healthy habits to their daily routine that'll help them on their journey to being more mindful and less stressed. I know you did already give us some tips during that other uh, question we were talking about meditation, but what are some things that my listeners can start doing today to help them move forward into a calmer life and a and a calmer mindset? 
love this question and I'm all about you know sharing tips so that people can really live a calmer, more empowered life. And so the first thing would be to make use of a breathing technique, which I talked about with my little ones, but it is a great tool for people to use in just everyday life outside of meditation. A quick, easy one to do is, you know, um, let's do the four, five, six count of breath. And what you're doing is you're breathing in for four seconds and then you're exhaling for four seconds. And then the next the next round of breath, now you're increasing it by one second. So it's a five second inhale, a five second exhale, and then go up to six. And if you can go up to more, great, then go for it. Otherwise, you know, that quick sort of pattern of breath will have helped you tune into the present moment. And whatever things you were thinking about that may have been causing you stress or anxiety, you weren't able to think about it in those moments because you were so focused on the count of your breath. And so that's a great quick tool that you can use any time of the day, you know, whether you're at work, whether you're interacting with your children, anything. And you don't have to necessarily go off and meditate for a few minutes, even though that would be great. You can use this during a meditation too. Another tip for dealing with stress and being more mindful in your day would be that idea of gratitude, which is, I mentioned before, using that with my kids as well. It's fantastic for shifting your mind out of negativity. You know, once you have a negative thought, your mind just begins to feed itself more and more of those and you start to spiral. But what if you're able to start off, you know, just once a day, perhaps in the morning when you wake up or right before you go to bed and to think of something that you are grateful for or someone that you're grateful for that day. And what you're doing is once again, you're training your brain to shift into a state of positivity and gratitude. And slowly over time, you can start to build upon that by adding more and then perhaps using that in a meditation or perhaps when the next time you get triggered, overwhelmed or frustrated, you can stop yourself, take a deep breath, and then ask yourself what you're grateful for. And in that moment, you can then pull yourself out of something that could spiral into negativity. And instead, you've pivoted over to a path of positivity. And then one last thing, you know, I briefly mentioned it before was the affirmations. I love using those to help me feel less stressed and to help me be aware of what's really true right now. For example, if I'm stressed out that I feel like I'm getting sick or maybe I'm getting, you know, um, maybe work is just overwhelming. In that moment, I can take a deep breath and then I can repeat simple phrases to myself, such as I am strong, I'm healthy, I'm capable, I can do this. And they're all just simple statements. And whether or not you really buy into it at the moment, if you just constantly say these phrases to yourself, over time, your mind will just start to pick up on them because that's what you're feeding your brain. You're feeding your brain these positive statements versus these negative statements about yourself, about your situation. And, and so that's just another way to help yourself pivot into, uh, into moving from stressed and overwhelmed into a state of calm and positivity. 
It's wonderful. You gave us some things that are also very doable. They're not, not hard to do, something that we can remember to do, and we can probably remember to do those things every single day because it doesn't take a lot of time. So thank you so much for that. Uh, what is the best way for my listeners to find you and connect with you, Josephine? Yeah, I'd love for you to hop onto my website, jatluri.com, jatluri. On there, you'll find a number of free video meditations. And if you sign up for my newsletter, then you will get the latest video meditation. I release a new one every month and you'll get it before it goes on the website. And I also offer this new segment called the Mindful Mama Moment, which I do weekly. And it's just like a quick three minute video to help you be a more mindful parent. And you can also find me on Instagram at Josephine R. Atlery for daily inspiration and meditation and mindfulness tips. And then please be sure to check out my podcast, Responding to Life. Well, that is great, listeners. I'm going to add all of Josephine's links to the show notes for you so you can go check those out. I really encourage you to check out her website, download her podcast, and try out one of her meditations. If this year showed us anything, it's that we don't have any control over the outside world around us. So we do need to learn how to control our inner world. Josephine, thank you so much for coming on the show today to teach us how to do that more effectively. It's such a pleasure speaking with you, Melissa. Thanks so much for having me on your show. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.